was. We worship the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors. He parted the raging sea. My God, he holds the victory. Come on now. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. is right up here. Remain standing as we witness baptism. Amen. Pastor Todd. Good morning, Grace family. This is my friend, Jeremiah Gibbs, and he has something he would like to share with you all. My name is Jeremiah Gibbs, and Jesus is my Lord. In obedience with the commandment of our Lord Jesus Christ, and upon your profession of faith in him, 
I baptize you, my brother, Jeremiah gives, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. That's awesome. It's always so exciting to see lives change no matter what the age. Amen? Amen. Hey, I want to give you a quick reminder before we move on any further. Next week, we go back to two services. Next week, we go back to two services, 9 o'clock and 1030. So mark your calendars, set your alarm clock, whatever you need to do. So we are back to two next week. If you are a guest this morning, we want to welcome you. We're so glad you're here with us. And if you look ahead, you will see a, uh, ahead of you, uh, in front of you, you will see a Connect card. If you would fill that out, hang on to that. At the end of the service, Pastor Bobby and Miss Cindy, they're going to be over here at a kiosk. They would love to meet you if you are a guest. If you are at home, we want to welcome you as well. We never, ever forget all of our online viewers and worshipers. Thank you for being here. And at, if you're at home, or if you're in the, now this is another option if you're in the room, about that Connect card, you can also do a text. You just Text the word CONNECT to 865-413-8181. And that's another way that you can uh, fill out your Connect card to let us know you're here with us today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer right now as we continue to worship. Lord, we just sang such a great truth. And Lord, may we always mean every word that we sing, not only every word that we say, because we're singing either to you or about you. And Lord, you know the heart of man, you know the heart of every single person, whether we mean it or not. So Lord, I pray if there are people who are chained to anything this morning, Lord, we pray that those chains will break. Lord, we pray that as we worship you, your spirit will continue to move in this place because there truly is joy in the house of the Lord. I could not wait to be here this morning with my brothers and sisters. We thank you, God, that we can openly worship you. May we always take the best, best advantage of the time we have together. And we pray this in the name of Jesus as we continue to worship you, Lord. Amen. Amen. We're going to continue and sing the Lord a new song. This is one we've done for a while, so I hope you all will join us in singing. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth in the beauty of His holiness. The beauty of His holiness. Sing to the
fearing death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. my cornerstone, my peace, the power of Christ. Lord, hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> Woo. You all can be seated. Choir, be seated. John, come out here and bless us this morning, brother. Overwhelmed 
suffering and bore our shame. Abide with me, abide with me. Don't let me fall and don't let go. Walk with me and never leave, ever close. God abide with me. Oh, love that will not ever let me go. Love that will not never let me go. You That's a positive about two services. Next week, if we do that song, we can hear it twice. So God bless you. Thank you, John. Let's pray. Lord God, what a comforting message it is, Jesus, whenever you spoke of abiding. We learn, Father, day by day what that means. I don't know if we'll ever fully understand abiding, but Lord God, we want to know everything that you want us to know about it. So this morning, God, as we pray often, please find our heart to be good soil, not only to receive it, but that it'll take deep root in our lives and produce much fruit. We ask these things, Lord, as you bless Pastor Bobby and guide him. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Jeff. Brother John, I had asked him to sing that song in light of today's message, and it's one I hope we will add to our repertoire uh, that Jeff will teach us, and we'll be singing that together. It's a song that I was introduced to a few years back, but uh, before we get into that specifically, let's take our Bibles and head to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John 2. Next week, we're going to take a little break, because I've been in this for quite some time now through chapter 2, used a lot of song titles. We're going to take a little break, and uh, we're going to be in the Psalms, and then we're going to come back the following week to chapter 3, and I have a whole new set of songs that uh, we're going to connect to these messages. So let's uh, talk about this, Blessed Assurance. We're talking about light, love, and life with Christ. This whole book is really so that we may know that we know that we know that Jesus Christ is our personal Lord and Savior. And I just want to say a huge thank you to all of you guys. First, you in the room, thank you for being here. It's been fun to worship together. I think it's the right time for us to go back to two. Some of you had actually had to sit on the front row. I'm sorry about that. I know Baptists don't like it. And you are in the spit zone. I'll do the best I can to keep it up here, okay? So if not, we'll get you a tarp or a rain jacket or an umbrella, all right? So uh, now they're all nervous. Uh, here's the deal. Um, 
we need to continue to pray for what's going on in our nation. We need to be careful. You can watch so much news, it'll get you jittery, so just be careful with that. But we are going to be cognizant of what's going on. We're going to keep up all of our sanitation practice and do the best we can to love our neighbor well. And so going back to two makes sense for us. We've got a lot of great things coming up. A big boom bash is on the horizon. We'll talk more about that at the end. And um, if you weren't in the annual business conference, let me just say a couple of quick things. Um, over 275 new members this year. Uh, I believe that's what we had said. 245 new members, over 236 salvation decisions this year. Um, we have had the best year of budget giving, meaning you just giving undesignated because we've added the campaign, so we won't count that. That'd be unfair. But do you realize we've had the best year of giving in the history of Grace Baptist Church? And that's a long history. So thank you for that. Thank you for that. Thank you for being exceedingly generous with your time, with your talent, and with your worldly treasure. We know it's the Lord's anyway, but thank you for being faithful to give in so many ways. Let's talk about how we can know him. Are you ready? Let's look at our memory verse. We've learned this the last several weeks. I know you guys have it by now. Say it aloud with me, would you? Now by this, we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. You got it, right? Let's do it again. A bunch of blanks. Ready? Go. Now, by this, we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Good. That's not works-based salvation. That's just faith works. Biblical faith works. Last week, we talked about the great pretender. A few of you fellows wrote me and uh, you gave me words of appreciation, and thank you for that. Some of you guys uh, sang to your girls. Some of you guys chose not to, and your wives gave you sugar because you chose not to. Um, but you, you sang that song, The Great Pretender, Only You. We did Only You at the end right there last week. And we looked at The Great Pretender versus The Genuine Believer. We said The Great Pretender denies Jesus Christ as revealed in Scripture, and he leaves the family of faith. But the genuine believer knows and accepts Jesus Christ fully, and he continues, or she continues, with other true believers. Today, the title is Abide in Me. Now, what Brother John King just sang for us is Abide with Me. That was written by Matt Marr in 2015. He based that off the great old Scottish hymn that came out of the mid-1800s. Marr wanted to update that, and so he wrote this incredible little chorus. Like I said, I want to include that in our repertoire of singing here because it's one you don't hear as much, but it's such a powerful message. Abide with me. I have a home, eternal home, but for now I walk this broken world. You walked it first, you know our pain. You show hope can rise again up from the grave. And then in that last little chorus, he sang, And up ahead, eternity. We'll weep no more and sing for joy. Abide with me. Man, I'll tell you what, those are powerful, powerful words. It was April the 2nd, 1513. Spanish explorer Juan Ponce de Leon and his crew became the first recorded Europeans to set their eyes on Florida. Legend holds that they made a discovery while searching for the fountain of youth. Uh, they discovered the, the, this part of Florida. In fact, it was not far from where we used to live. They were searching for the fountain of youth. They had heard there was this magical water source supposedly capable of reversing the aging process, supposedly curing sickness. 
Now, we still have a lot of folks searching for the fountain of youth, don't we? Beauty creams and vitamins and surgeries to the latest and greatest health craze, people are pursuing the fountain of youth. They want to avoid growing old. Maybe it, they realize it leads to that final ultimate reality of death. For, for a lot of people, death is such a harsh reality, they don't even want to consider it. They don't want to talk about it. They want to make no preparations for the afterlife. But John offers one way that a person can actually do something about his or her own death. There's a prescription right here, better than the fountain of youth. And he's basically saying that God gives us a revolutionary promise that we can live happily ever after. Not just the end of a, a Disney fairy tale. God makes a promise of happily ever after for you and for me. But you're going to have to take God at his word and believe his promise. Are you going to trust Jesus Christ for your happily ever after, eternal and abundant life? If you have, then no matter what happens in this world, no matter what kind of pandemic sweep through, no matter what the doctor says when the call comes in, no matter what the bank account looks like, no matter how your relational status is going, no matter what they're saying about you out there on social media, and they don't really know you anyway, so why would you listen? You can have a happily ever after. But you got to take God at the promise of his word today. Let's see what he promises. Stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word. Let's conclude chapter 2. Ready? Verse 24, 1 John 2, 24. Here we go, therefore. Now what is it therefore? It connects. Therefore, because you're a genuine believer, because Jesus is Lord and Savior, because you're not a fake, a phony baloney, you're the real deal, you're not a hypocrite, because of that, John says, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. That means truth. You heard this truth. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us. Look at there. Eternal life. There's your happily ever after. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie. And just as it is taught you, you will guarantee abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him. And when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he's righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Let's pray. What an incredible promise, Lord. Thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you that we can have a happily ever after even if it seems like the evil is caving in around us, the uncertainty of our days, the craziness of 2020 and 2021, Lord, let us remember there is a stability, there is a security, there is a joy, a happiness that passes all understanding. It guards our hearts and minds because there's a peace in Jesus. Thank you, Lord for our Lord and our Savior. And if there's anybody here today, out of all these many people, or anybody out there across this state, this nation, or this world, we know people are tuning in now and later, and if they don't know that they're going to have a happily ever after,
If they don't know that they abide in Christ and Christ in them, then may this be the day their eternity changes. It's not just a fairy tale. This is reality to help us to live in it with joy. In Jesus' name, God's people said, amen. All right, so as you're being seated, we get some promises that ought to give us strength and courage about what and who abides in a true Christian. What and who? What and who? Let's start. You ready? If you have grace notes, take them out or use the app or write it down, mascara, lipstick, whatever it takes, just jot it down. The promise of eternal life abides in me. The promise of eternal life abides in me. 24, 25, therefore let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning and let that which you heard from the beginning abide in you. He's going to say it over and over and over. If you abide in the Son and in the Father, this is the promise. This is the promise, eternal life. I don't have to make this stuff up. By the way, I don't have to plagiarize it from somebody else either. It's right there in the Bible. The promise of eternal life abides in me. Six times in the six verses today, John uses the same verb. We almost always translate it in modern English translations, abide. It comes three times in verse 24. Generally, it means to dwell or to rest in. It could be translated to remain, to stay, to reside. John, the elder, really loves that little verb, Greek verb meno. Meno, in its fullest meaning, could mean to take up a permanent address or to make a settled home. Now, here's what's really cool. When I look at Heather and Parker and Miss Lucy now, they have chosen to abide in Knoxville. I literally woke up last week, and last Sunday morning, I remember I told Cindy, I said, I, I had this sense, were they going home today? Are they heading back tomorrow? What day were they leaving and then I remembered, oh, no, they're not leaving. They're abiding. We got to take the baby back out on the water yesterday and put her in her little life jacket and swim and play and have a good time and wear her out, and she slept really good. I hope she slept good for you all last night. Praise Jesus. All right. So, you know, they're abiding. They're settled. And if you want to keep going and growing as Christians, then the objective truth of God's Word and the person of the Holy Spirit must have a permanent home in your heart and in your head. The word abide is a very important word in the Gospel of John and here in these letters of John. It's the word Jesus uses and promises he makes in the upper room discourse before his betrayal. In John 15, he says, abide in me and I in you. The word is practical. The word is personal. See, false teachers have given this sense where y'all need a secret knowledge. You, you can't go to God without coming to us first. You got to come and join our clique, our club, and we got to tell you the secret things. Do, 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 do. No, John is saying wrong. You just stick with Jesus, and Jesus sticks with you, and you have the promise of a happily ever after. You have the promise of an eternal life abiding in you. See, I'm not waiting for eternal life one day when I breathe my last. Listen to me. I have eternal life right now as a child of God. I have it. Brothers, sisters, any brothers and sisters in the room? You have your happily ever after already. You say, no, 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 I don't. You don't know my life. Listen, your life, like one of my prayer partners said today, is just a drop in the bucket in light of eternity. What you have here, be it 70 years, 100 years, 170 years, is so small in light of eternity. And the truth of eternal life keeps this life in balance. No matter how bad it seems, 
for the true child of God, something far better is coming. It's promised. It's guaranteed. I want you to keep this truth in balance in your life. One of my little buddies, we still have friends that will tune in from North Carolina and stay in touch. And uh, we have some friends in the house today. One of my little buddies, his name was Joe Bill. Joe Bill uh, had been pretty rough for a, a good season of his life. He was a long-distance truck driver. And uh, Joe Bill, he used to say when he was driving across this country, he'd say, just follow the diesel fumes and cigarette butts, boys. And he'd get on his CB. And he, he became, uh, he was 40 years my elder, and he became one of my best friends because Joe Bill loved to fish. Now, Joe Bill would rather fish than eat or sleep or do anything else. Joe Bill also liked to buy little scary boats and fix them up. And we would get out on some pretty big waterways, some pretty large rivers and other places, and he loved to catfish. And every time it was an adventure, because you never knew what was going to break or leak. He forgot his plug one time. We nearly left his boat in the lake. We had some great adventures, and he's in the arms of Jesus now. But uh, I remember in particular one of his little aluminum John boats that he had uh, rigged up. It had a little motor in the front, a little troller and all of this. But I remember that boat. What was so important was that you had to watch where you sat or stood. Because if you got off center a little bit or we both ended up on the same side, we were both going to go in the water. Because it was just that small. You ever been on a boat like that? Where it's just so small, you got to shift around. I mean, even on our boat, we, we have to shift weight sometimes if there are several people on there. you got to stay centered to stay up. Well, the reality is, and I miss my little buddy so bad, and I think about him frequently and pray for his family, but we have to keep centered to stay up. And if a wave comes, you better know that you're centered because if you're off just a smidgen, that thing can roll you over. Life is a lot like that. And some of y'all feel like you're drowning because you've gotten off center. You have failed to center yourself in the Word of God and the relationship you have with Christ, and things have gotten off center. And most people who grow adrift or who go overboard in their lives do so because they're off balance. Some of you today, you feel adrift. Some of you feel like the boat is rocking and you could go over any moment. And some of you have already fallen in the water. Some of you say, no, I'm doing pretty good, but I know three or four that have fallen in. Well, let me encourage you to let the Lord reach down into your heart and life today and do what he did for Peter. All Peter said was two words, Kyrie son, Lord save me in English. And the Lord Jesus picked him up, put him back in the boat. He gave him his assurance and his security. Some of you guys need to recenter today. How do I recenter? Well, remember that the promise of life abides in me if you're a Christian. Number two, the person of the Holy Spirit abides in me. Again, if you're a Christian. These things, verse 26, these things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. But you have this anointing you've received from the one who abides in you. You don't really need anybody else to teach you, but that same anointing teaches you concerning all things. It's true. It's not a lie. Just as he's taught you and you will abide in him. Now, what is this? You know, I have a promise, but I have even more. All religions make a promise. All religions will claim to give you something. And many religions make all kinds of bogus claims. But 
Christianity is not just a promise. Christianity is also a person who comes to live within you, the third person of the triune Godhead, the Holy Spirit. These things have I written unto you concerning those who try to deceive you or seduce you. It means to be led away from the truth. Seduce is a good word here because it applies in exactly the same way in the physical realm and in the spiritual realm. In other words... You lead a person to commit spiritual adultery when you lead them away from the truth. And that's what seduction does. It leads you from the path. There's a contrast between the false and the true, the counterfeit and the real. The false teachers want to lead us, seduce us to their side, to their clique. That sort of empire building still lies behind many of the divisions caused by false teaching today. If you've studied some of those with me here, you can go back and listen to them or watch those messages about cults and world religions and those that try to deceive and they put a lot of power and a lot of money in the hands of one or two or three, just a small group of leaders. Interesting, the Greek word here for lead astray or seduce is the verb planeo. Now check this out, planeo. Think if, is there an English word that sounds like planeo? Take the O off and put a T. In the Greek thought, Greeks contrasted planets, which they observed to wander, with stars, which they observed to remain fixed. So in the Greek way of thinking, and in Koine Greek where John was writing, planeo is where we get our word planet. In the Greek mind, they said, look at those things up there. They're, they're wandering. They don't have a fixed position. They're moving around, and in their thought, sometimes it was more random. We know it's not really that random because God controls it. He is the cosmic superglue, and he keeps it all in perfect harmony and order. But to the Greek mind, they were saying, uh, these are wandering heavenly bodies. We'll call them planets. Don't be a wandering earthly body. Don't be a body that is disconnected. Even in John's day, there were those who were coming along saying that there was a denial of Jesus the Son or the denial of the Holy Spirit who is fully God. They're seducing some of these so-called Christians. And John says, this thing you hold on to, you hold on to the Son. Just like the earth is grounded by the gravity of the sun, you hold on, and God has promised you eternal life, and God has promised you the person of the Holy Spirit to live in you. And John was telling the people of his day that you don't need to listen to these Gnostic teachers. The anointing you have received from him abides in you. You don't need anything they teach you. He's not saying don't listen to teachers at all. That would be counter to what the Bible says, and why would you be here today? Ephesians 4, 11 and following is very clear. There are some that are called to be pastor teachers. There are those that are called to take the word of life, to break the bread that God has given us and feed it in a way that we can digest it and understand it and apply it. But Jesus calls Satan the father of lies. And all of his purposes and the purpose of all of his fallen angel cohorts is to lead us astray. You know Satan is not an originator. He is a counterfeiter. He imitates the work of God. He has counterfeit ministers, 2 Corinthians 11, who preach a counterfeit gospel, Galatians 1, that produce counterfeit Christians, John 8, who depend on a counterfeit righteousness, Romans 10. Counterfeits, fakes, not the real thing. Why does Satan do that? 
Well, I'm about to teach an outdoorsman's class. By the way, we had a couple folks that signed up that aren't able to make it. We just opened two slots. If you would like those, I have two slots left. It had filled up within the first few days. But I have two outdoorsman slots. And listen to the end of the word outdoorsmen. That will tell you what gender we're going to have in the class. I love you, ladies. No offense to you, but we're going to have men in this class. I know you ladies are better outdoors people than we are. You can probably shoot better and catch more and do more. But my class is going to be dudes, okay? If you're offended by that, write Frank. Frank.Catanzaro at Grace. No, I'm just kidding. No, here's the thing, though. I got two slots for dudes left, okay? And I mean dude dudes. I don't mean people that think they're dudes. I mean born dudes, all right? So that's another sermon. So here's the thing, though. Uh, all of you guys that like to hunt, particularly you guys that do hunting with calling, so whether that's whitetail, um, elk, turkey, um, why do we do that, guys or gals? Why do we do that? Why would we call? Why would I uh, sit on the ground and pretend to be a female turkey, a hen? Why would I do that? Why would I sit in a tree and bleat call and pretend to be a, a girl that's looking for love? Why would I do that? That's a little creepy when you think about it, right? Why would I do that? Why would I... I mean, I want the big boy to come in. I want him to think, oh, who is that hottie? I want him to think, I'm about to get me some sugar. Let's go this way, you know, and I want him to do his thing. And I want that big old buck. Sometimes I imitate another big buck because I want to, I actually want, and, and when Bobby and I are hunting together, maybe I'll hit one thing and he'll hit another, but I want maybe to, to bleat and make him think there's a lady. And then a few minutes later, I might do a deer grunt to make him think there's a dude close by. Why? Because I want to blow their head off and eat them, man. That's why. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I'm a hunter. I, I like to hunt. I like to fish. I like to do this. And you can't really call a fish, I don't think. But with turkey and deer and elk and other things, you're putting the call out there. But listen, I know I'm a counterfeit. Some of y'all said, no, you're a turkey. No, I'm not really a turkey. I get it. I, I'm pretending. I'm pretending to fool him, to get him to come in so that I can get the job done and take the food back to my family. I'm pretending, and my pretending hopefully ends with killing. There is a great pretender in the Bible who despises you and your children and your grandchildren. He has come only to steal and kill and to destroy. He wants to blow your head off and he wants to keep you from your happily ever after and keep you from your creator God. And you know what he does? He makes all kinds of alluring calls. And some of y'all are going, and you're just falling right in. Right? Some of y'all are falling right into it. He's going to blow your head off. He's going to knock you out. Oh, no. I can't be seduced. I can't be led astray. The very ones that say that are the ones that go the quickest. I'm just here to tell y'all, do not be seduced. The person of the Holy Spirit living within you can enlighten you and keep you on track with the truth as you keep your life centered. Don't go after the false cause. You will likely be looking down the barrel of destruction and death. Do not go down the enemy's path. 
For as many as are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. You received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if we're children of God, we're heirs of God and join heirs with Christ. And if we suffer together with him, we'll be glorified together with him. Just because you're walking with Jesus doesn't mean it's a rosy, easy path. Sometimes the road is rocky and twisty and up up and down and hard, but if you'll stay with the Lord Jesus Christ and the indwelling person of the Holy Spirit, you will get your happily ever after. But don't be led astray. Don't be led astray by the false cause. You know the old saying, practice makes perfect. Well, the reality is it's perfect practice that makes perfect, but you'll see the principle in life. I'll see it and hear it as my kids are practicing something, Uh, a sport, an instrument, singing, Shooting, whatever it is. You want to be a good tennis player? You better practice that swing or serve till it becomes a part of you. Do you get your groove? When I was doing shows back in the day, I was and am a horrible dancer. And the choreographers knew it. And they would tell me, you got to do that in front of a mirror over and over and over and over and over until you develop a thing called muscle memory. You want to be so in tune with whatever steps they've just told you to do that you don't think about it. And for me, man, when it came to dancing, I promise you, I didn't want to think about it. It was ugly. And so you got to become so much, it's got to be so much ingrained in you that if it's then a ball step change thing or whatever, you got to have it to where you don't think about it. I'm going to tell you right now, some of y'all are still in the stage of your Christian life where you're overthinking everything. Should I? Shouldn't I? Should I? Shouldn't I? Walk with the Holy Spirit. Let him indwell you. He lives in you, not it. He lives in you. Stay in the Word of God. That informs you and that keeps you close and clean. And you know what? you get muscle memory. You won't even get close to some stuff because it'll become part of who you are John is telling us that we've got to make time and take time to let the Word of God and the Spirit of God work deeply in our lives so that we remain in Him. We practice the disciplines of Bible study and prayer and private and corporate worship. But how's your practice going? See, I wouldn't dare just go to the woods, especially deer hunting because I'm more of a bow hunter than anything. I wouldn't dare go to the woods and try to call something in without having practiced an awful lot first. The last thing I want to do as a sportsman is injure something. The last, any any deer hunters in here ever lost a deer? If you're a deer hunter and your hand's not up, you're a liar. You've lost an animal, especially if you bow hunt. It's the worst feeling in the world. It's the worst feeling in the world to put a bad shot on something. You'll stay hours and hours, and we get the dogs, and we track, and we track, and we track, and it's a horrible, horrible feeling. And so you spend far more hours on the front end practicing, 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 practicing. And if I'm willing to do that, and some of you fishermen out in the backyard throwing at the hula hoop, throwing at the hula hoop, throwing at the hula hoop, y'all know what I'm talking about. And if you don't, don't sign up for my class. Okay, so if you, if, if, if these are the things you love to do, if this is part of you, then you know when the time comes and you've been playing the part and there he comes, he's walking in, oh man, he's broadside, he's under 30 yards, you're positioned, you're ready, thwack, it's done. It's over because you put the time in. If that's true in this physical world, why is it any different in the spiritual The enemy's trying to call you away, he's trying to blow your head off, he's trying to destroy your happily ever after and you know what? He's been practicing for millennia. 
So why don't we make sure we're grounded? The promise of eternal life abides in me as the person of the Holy Spirit abides in me. I love this. The power of Jesus abides in me. And these last two are short. The power of Jesus abides in me as I abide in him. Or last one, rather. As I abide in him. 28, 29. And now little children, look at this, abide in him. Now it said that at the end of 27 if you caught it. He's taught you and so you're going to abide in him. You will. You will. And now, little children, abide in him. Watch. Why do I abide in him and he in me? That when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. You, you know he's righteous. You know he's righteous. And you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. God's great desire is for, for us, people of God, to have confidence of freedom of speech and joyful access that we are not ashamed when we see the Lord's face one day. Now, I don't know this to be fact, but when you read Greek, you actually see words that are related. I think, I think John is doing a play on words. I think. He says this, God's children should have a parousia at his parousia. In Greek, it looks almost identical. You should have a parousia at his parousia. He said, what is that? He's speaking in tongues. What kind of? Parousia. You should have a confidence, a boldness, and assurance at his parousia, his second coming, when you see him, his appearance. A parousia at his parousia. What's really cool about that is that when I see Jesus face to face, I'll be ready. Not like when I was a boy and my mother said, wait till your father gets home. I was never ready for that, y'all. Anybody ever had that threat? Okay. And there was nobody to call, and it wasn't child abuse, because if you had called somebody, you'd have got it that much harder. I was not ready to see the Father's face. But that's not the way we live as Christians. You know, even now, as a dad, I'll ask Bobby three. I'll ask my son. We used to call him little Bobby. That doesn't really apply anymore. Um, I'll ask Bobby. I'll say, you ready to go outside? You want to go? We're going to fish. We're going to shoot. We've gotten into this bow fishing thing lately. It's awesome. Uh, you, you want to go do this? You want to, Dad, I want to go hang out with my friends. I want to go. Okay. Is your room clean? Yes, sir. Is it clean to my standard? Um, uh, y- uh, y- yes, sir. I'm coming up to look at it. No, wait just a minute, Daddy. You ever done that to your kid? So, so if I just ask you the question, is it clean? You'd oh yeah, it's clean, it's clean. Well, I'm coming any moment. Oh, oh wait, wait, whoa, whoa! I'm not ready to see the Father. Now let's be honest. Some of y'all living like that right here today. Some of y'all living like that. I say, are you ready to see Jesus? Are you ready to see God the Father who created you? you say, oh, 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 oh. I'm just pointing over here because I know there are a lot of heathens that sit in this particular section. <laughs> Just saying that. I love y'all, though. No, I'm kidding. Y- y'all, look, y'all, you ready to see Jesus? All y'all, yes, oh yeah. I'm looking at, do y'all know I can see y'all? I'm looking at you. Okay, I know some pastors preach to the wall and to the stars. I preach to you. I see you. I see your face. Hello, wake up. I'm just kidding. Nobody's asleep. Are y'all ready to see Jesus? Woo! But if he actually said, I'm coming this afternoon. Oh, yeah, just a minute. I got to take care of some stuff. Hello? Am I right? Come on, y'all. Well, I'm kind of ready to see the Father. Uh, But I got to go make right with this person. 
I got to go get forgiveness from that. I probably need to catch up on my tithing. Ooh, I said that in the best year ever. I, I need to take care of some things. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Because I'm going to be straight with you for me. I feel like there are a couple things I need to take care of. Now, the question then is this. Could we see him any moment? Oh, man, either by death or by rapture, friend. We could see him any moment. I mean, before we get out of this place, the trumpet could sound. The dead in Christ should rise first. And then the, these of us, we, us who are alive and remain, could be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. Will I be confident or will I be ashamed? I can't answer that. You have to answer that for you. I know how I am. True Christians know Jesus is righteous. They know it as a fact, not a feeling. Like the theologians from the band Boston said, more than a feeling, right? It's more than a feeling. Y'all know that. I know, another earworm. You're welcome. More than a feeling. It's more than a feeling that I know Jesus is righteous. What does that mean, righteous? He's righteous, we're righteous, God's people do the righteous thing. Just take the first five letters. Don't get hung up in your theological conundrum with big words. R-I-G-H-T. Y'all know what that means, right? I don't mean left, I mean right versus wrong. Jesus always does the right thing. Christians, we know we're still in the flesh. We don't always do the right thing, but there's a striving to do right and be right. There's a desire to be right. Not that we're perfect, but watch this. I wrote it like this. The practice of righteousness is the proof of relationship. That's pretty good. The practice of righteousness. I'm, I'm working on it. I'm practicing I love practicing shooting. We were at the range, Heather uh, and I. I got a, a new toy a couple weeks ago, and so Heather was showing me uh, her, her um, carry uh, gun. And so, you know, again, just don't visit the Lewis's or Levises unannounced. You'd have a bad day. Um, so just we, we were practicing, but you got to practice. you got to practice. So there's this practice of we're not perfect. We don't hit the bullseye every time. We're not dead center. We're not at the tin ring all the time. But we're practicing. You're, you're, you're working at it. And the practice of righteousness, I'm, I'm, I'm living to be right. That is the proof of relationship, not a works-based salvation. Good moral people, and I get this, watch. Good moral people, air quotes, good moral people may not have a relationship with God through Jesus. You're right. So it's not the righteousness that saves you. It's the righteousness of Christ, not yours. But those who have a real relationship with Jesus absolutely should display righteous fruit. Not sinless perfection, but righteous fruit is a consistent growing in Christ-likeness. The fact that he may return any moment ought to be incentive enough for us to live in obedience, ready. If I'm on the stand and I'm really anticipating, I mean it's zero dear 30, the, the sun's going down just perfect, I'm really anticipating, I'm not sleeping in that moment. If I really believe Bullwinkle could come around the corner and I get my one shot, I'm not sleeping. And if you really believe Jesus could break the sky at any moment, you're not sleeping spiritually. You're waiting and watching and working and realizing that it's not my goodness that gets me there. It's the finished work of Christ that gets me there. But because of the finished work of Christ, I don't want to be ashamed when I see him. I want to be confident and I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. There's your happily ever after. The joy of your Lord. Some of y'all love Jesus on this side. Y'all need to notify your face. I'm just going to tell you right now, right in there. Back in there, some of y'all. 
You say, I was smiling, then poke your neighbor. Listen, some Christians, he's talking to Christians, to Christians. Some Christians will be ashamed before Jesus at his coming. Now, you're accepted by God, but there's a difference between being accepted by God and being acceptable. A disobedient child who goes out and gets dirty will be accepted when he or she comes home, but they will not be treated as though that were acceptable. You will be cleaning off before you come in our house. You'll be accepted, but the way you're coming at me is not acceptable. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. If you are a Christian who's not intimately walking in fellowship and obedience with Christ, you're not going to lose your salvation, but the Bible does speak of rewards that can be lost. 2 Corinthians 5, 9, Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. So I want to live my life to put a smile on God's face. I can't put a smile on everybody's face, but I sure want to live to please God. The great pastor and Bible teacher and author Warren Wearsby said, no matter in which direction a Christian looks, he finds reasons to obey God. If he looks back, he sees Calvary where Christ died for him. If he looks within, he sees the Holy Spirit who lives within and teaches him truth. If he looks around, he sees Christian brethren whom he loves. He also sees a world lost in sin, desperately needing his godly witness. And if he looks ahead, he sees the return of Christ. Wearsby concludes, The return of Christ is a great inspiration for godly living. And that's really what John's getting at. The hope of Christ's return sustains faith and makes righteousness not just a hope but a habit. Look at 29. One last thing I'll say and then we'll go. If you know that he's righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness, practices, practices, is born of him. Born. Same verb used in John 3, 7 where Jesus told Nicodemus that ye must be born, what? Again, right? You follow this. You know this. Born once, die twice. Born twice, die once, right? Y'all know that, right? You're born physically, but not born again. You will die two deaths. A physical death that separates your body and spirit, an eternal death, the second death that separates your spirit from God forever. You're born twice. You're born physically through your mama. You're born the second time through the spirit of the living God, and you will only face one death, possibly, and the rapture could come before, but that means your physical and spiritual body will separate for just a little bit, but then even they will come back together in perfect harmony where you will enjoy your happily ever after. You see, born once, die twice, born twice, die once. The practice of righteousness is the proof of relationship. And until recently, as I said, we've called our son Little Bobby. He now weighs more than his daddy, and he thinks he's taller by about half an inch. But I pray that he always looks up to me. Like it or not. A lot about that kid has his father's nature. And our daughters, Heather and Holly and Hannah, and uh, when they're well-behaved and respectful, I like to think they have their father's nature. <laughs> and when Lucy is, uh, with all that curly red hair, when she is acting all sweet and, and snuggly and fun and giggly, I like to think she has her g nature. And when they don't act like that, they're acting like their mama. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love you. I'm just kidding. I love you. As it was coming out, I wanted to stop it, and I, it just, 
sorry, not at all like their mama. <sighs> that was not in my notes. Um, as a child of God, the promise of eternal life abides in me. The person of the Holy Spirit abides in me. The power of Jesus abides in me as I abide in him. That's reciprocal relationship. So I'll close with this. Because John's favorite use of the word abide actually occurs in John 15. You know the text. <clears throat> so I have this beautiful plant. Lush and green. It's been well watered. I'll set it. Y'all can see it if I set it down here, I think. We just cut one branch off the other day. Now, how do you reckon, this was just about four days ago, how do you reckon this one's going to look? Not so good. That's not been severed that long. But if we compare, can y'all get a good camera shot down here? Is that possible to do at my feet or not? Oh, look how good they are. One of these things is not like the other. Y'all see that? You see how brown and nasty that is? <clears throat> Do I need to tell you what's going to happen to you if you get disconnected from Jesus? And if you're a Christian, there's no such thing as losing your salvation. Impossible. You're saved, you're sealed, you're secure. But that doesn't mean you can live like the devil. And Jesus makes this promise to us, and John is confirming what he's already taught in the gospel that bears his name, and he's saying, look, you've got to stay connected. Jesus said there in John 15, without me you can do nothing, and he said if you do become disconnected, you're not good for anything but the fire. And so you say, well, pastor, I want to be connected, and I want to stay connected. Okay, then practice righteousness. Oh, but I thought you'd give me a better answer than read the Bible and pray and worship Listen, anybody tells you otherwise, stop listening to them. This is not magic hocus-pocus stuff. This is not take a spiritual pill or rub on a spiritual cream. This is get in the Word, get the Word in you. Walk with Jesus, live a life that honors Him. Be the real deal, don't be a hypocrite. The world's watching. Stay connected. Nothing new. You say, well, but I feel so alone today. I feel like I just can't do it today. Well, listen, you're not alone. Jesus is reminding you, if you've trusted him as Lord and Savior, up ahead, eternity, will weep no more and sing for joy, abide with me. As the band joins me on the stage, I want to encourage you to walk with Jesus in faith every day. Jesus wants to walk with you. He wants you to be connected and stay connected because you are important to him and your life counts more than you can possibly imagine. Some of y'all today, you've bought the devil's lies that you're worthless. You're not really disconnected, but the devil's trying to make you think you are. That your life doesn't really count. Don't you believe that for one second? You hold on to the promise of eternal and abundant life with Christ. You live with the Holy Spirit inside of you and trust Jesus not only to save you, but to sustain you. Believe he died on the cross for your sins, was buried and raised the third day by the power of God. Believe he's the only way to have a real and right relationship with God in heaven. Trust him today. He's not asking you to be perfect when you come. He's saying after you do come, learn to practice righteousness and he'll grow you. He'll mature you. He'll make you more like Christ day by day by day. Let this be your plea. Lord Jesus, abide in me. Stand with me this morning.
Now, nobody wants to be this, y'all. I know that. Nobody wants to look like that. Nobody. Some of y'all just need to say yes to Jesus for the first time today. Pastors and counselors will be here to receive you. Cindy and I will be over here. We'll have a whole host of counselors ready to talk with you immediately following the service. And so please come to one of us. If you're scared to death, reach out to us online and we'll reach out to you. That applies for all of you watching or listening out there. Let us know how we can help you and lead you to God's throne of grace. Don't leave this place uncertain of your salvation. Don't leave this place uncertain of your happily ever after. Don't leave this place thinking, if Jesus came today, if the Father was here, I would be ashamed. No, be confident. I didn't say cocky. I said confident. And there's a line there because it's all about what he's done, not what you do. Some of you need to come back. You know, you've come to Jesus, but you had not come in a while. And you need to resurrender. Your life is kind of shriveled up and fruitless right now, so you need to resurrender. Some of you need to come as an intercessor praying for someone. A bunch of folks need to come and pray for the state of this nation. A bunch of folks need to come. There are people entering eternity right now just like this. As this pandemic kind of ebbs and flows and this Delta variant is turned, and there are a lot more people, even young people, that are now being hospitalized, put on vents, and some meeting their maker. We ought to be praying. God, how can this be an opportunity for the gospel to make sure people are ready? How can this be an opportunity for the good news of Jesus that people are ready? And I wish some of you would come and just pour it out before the Lord. I know many of you did business with God last week, and I thank you for that. Whatever the need today, I just want you to know you can abide with Christ, and Christ can abide in you. I'm telling you, it changes things. It doesn't make life perfect. It doesn't even necessarily make it easier at times. It may get harder at first. But it sure makes it bearable and even joyful when you abide. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Pray that you'd move some folks right now to respond to you. You know, you know there are people here that need Christ. Draw them to yourself. You know there are those that need to come back. They have not been walking as they should. There are those that need to be intercessors and pray. Pray for family members. Pray for parents. Pray for children. Pray for neighbors and coworkers. There are some that need to come because they're compelled. They need to pray for the state of our nation and the craziness in this, this country and in this world. They need to pray for your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Whatever the case in the final minutes we have, Let us be a people who seek your face. In Jesus' name, amen.